Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. The Greenhouse Show on KSL News Radio. Good morning. Thanks for joining us for the KSL Greenhouse. Maria Shaleos, Ton Bettis with you this morning. Number to call with your questions, 801-575-8255. You can also text us at 57500. Ron is up next in Cottonwood Heights. Good afternoon. Or good afternoon. I've already moved to afternoon, Ton. Good morning, Ron. What was your question? Good morning. I've got a, um, a stand or a big, uh, large clump of um, um, scrub oak, and uh, it's probably 50 years old. Um, through the years, we we haven't really maintained underneath it, and, and just this summer we started uh, clearing out underneath it and trying to put some river rock in there and and uh, uh, landscape lights and and um, you know making it a little bit more showy. I've uh, been through there several times cleaning it out with the, the weed eater, and um, it it um, comes back with a vengeance. And um, I'm wondering if it is safe to use uh, Roundup in there or if that's going to uh, transport through the root systems up into the into the main oak stand. You'll do a lot of damage with Roundup because it's systemic. And so what you're doing is your option going through once a month and cleaning it out because you're fighting against genetics of the tree and scrub oak. The reason we have them all over the hillsides on the Wasatch front is that their main form of reproduction are the root runners and you can't stop it because it's in the genes of the tree. Okay. So it's really just a, a matter of, 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 haircut every every yep. couple of weeks and that's month. that's what okay. it is and just All right. if you want to keep those oaks healthy i you might water them once every three or four weeks deeply just to you know keep them keep your stand alive and healthy and things like that but yeah you're fighting against genetics on this one all right. All right, Ron. Well, I didn't want to didn't want to damage him. So, uh, thanks for the information. Yeah, you don't. I lost two stands of oak, and it was just heartbreaking. Ah, that's why we're redoing half of our yard, right, Don? Uh, let's go back to let's see. Our next texter says, "Can you give us some tips on keeping a Venus flytrap alive and healthy?" Just make sure that it doesn't dry out, and that's about all you can really do. You might put little pieces of meat in where it actually traps its food or if you have flies or something. Okay. But because it's quote unquote carnivorous, it gets a lot of its nutrients from those flies or whatever it eats. And if you don't have a lot of flies, you can take little quarter inch pieces of 
say steak and then just drop them in there and let the slowly digest it. And that will mimic the insects that it normally would have fed on. I can only think of Little House of Horrors. Feed me. <laughs> we used to play right. that music between breaks <laughs> when that would come up. Tim loved that. Oh, show. my goodness. All right. Tom is on the line in Perry. Good morning, Tom. What was your question? Hi. So let's see. I moved to Perry probably six years ago and have to have a peach orchard if you're up there. So I put in about 50 trees and um, they did great for the first probably four years, but then we had a house fire. So we were away from the property and I wasn't able to maintain them as much as I'd like to and got infested with peach tree borer. So I was wondering if you've got any advice of how to get rid of them once they're established. Yeah, there's, sometimes people will get to the base of the tree and see the hole that they're digging in the tree and kind of see their tail end, and they'll take a piece of wire and just kind of impale them. So I don't know how practical that's going to be for you, but the what you would want to do is spray them every three weeks with something containing permethrin and so the spray that I usually recommend to homeowners is made by High Yield, and it's called Pet Garden and Livestock Spray, and that has to be sprayed every three weeks on the trunks and especially around the base. Okay. All right, well, I'll uh, get some of that then. Thank you. All right. Thanks for your call this morning. Uh, next listener, also in Perry, says their niece and her husband planted 8 to 10 shade trees three years ago in the west part of Perry. Trees have not budged with new growth. They look like they did when they were purchased, and they do have clay soil, and they need some suggestions. Thank you. The west part of Perry is adjacent to the Great Salt, Great Salt Lake, mm-hmm. and the soil is probably clay, like they said, and it may be salty. And they just may have chosen the wrong trees where they're surviving but not growing. And so they may need to switch over to something like hybrid elms or a common hackberry or maybe even like sensation box elder to get them to grow. Eight to ten trees, Tom. I know. And I would have a soil test done to see if the soil is salty. It's a lot of money. And so collect some samples. Send If you even wanted to drive them over to Logan, but send them to the USU Pest Lab and have the samples tested. And if it's salty clay, I, I think you're really limited to things like the Sensation Box Elder, like the Hybrid Elms, and maybe even some Cottonwoods. Unfortunately, I rarely recommend those trees, but get your soil tested. I think that will be quite revealing. All right. Dallas is on the line in Salt Lake City. Good morning, Dallas. What was your question? Yeah, you guys. I bought a mammoth jalapeno plant this spring and transplanted it into a big pot with my best compost. And, uh, boy, now it's really flourishing. It must be two feet tall and a huge canopy. And, Tom, it's loaded with peppers. You know, I've picked three or four, three inches, you know, which is about the max. But, man, the plant probably has... 20, 25 peppers of various sizes. Do I need to thin them or can I just um, watch them and let them grow and harvest them, you know, in the coming weeks and months? I, 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 I mean, we've got until October for frost, and so I would just let them go. And oh, okay. you even have the option with it being in a pot that you could fashion a small cover for it using construction-grade clear plastic or 
something similar to where you could actually grow those peppers on your porch through late October at least with well, a cover. I'll, I'll, thanks. I'll sure try to do that. It's a beautiful plant. You know, it'd be, I'd like to preserve it as long as I could. And uh, by the way, I left it in the full sun all during July. You know, that, that guy got baked every day, but, you know, I took good care of him and uh, he took it all in good stride. Good. So Good. Yeah. I mean, on Amazon, you can get some inexpensive season extension pop-ups. They look like those little pop-up tents that kids play with, but they're clear plastic. And you could even get something like that if you wanted and just put it away and use it for years and keep your patio plants, you know, selected ones underneath it and enjoy things into late October to maybe even mid-November. Okay, we'll do. That's good news. Thank you, guys. All right, Dallas, thanks for your call today. Next listener, Tom, says they have a beautiful peach tree. It's about four years old. It has golf si- golf ball-sized green peaches on it, but the tree doesn't seem to be growing any bigger. The tree may or may not, depending on what rootstock it's on. So I don't really have enough information, but those trees on a normal rootstock We'll max out about 25 feet high and wide. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want to let them get that big, but if it's not giving you a lot of growth, get your soil tested, and then you can put some nitrogen down in early spring to see if you can stimulate some growth. All right. Inger is on the line in Taylorsville. Good morning. Good morning, Inger. What was your question? I have a Japanese maple that I planted in a pot oh, maybe 15 years ago because our soil in that area wasn't good and it's uh, through the years the soil is getting more and more depressed and more roots are becoming exposed and I know it wouldn't be a good idea to cover them with heavy soil or anything but should should I try to put something over those roots that are getting exposed it's in, the pot is about four and a half feet tall yeah, at least cover them with potting soil But Uh you may be able to call like cactus and tropicals and it's not inexpensive, but they specialize in transplanting larger plants like this. And it would be something you would want to do in early spring, but you may transplant it into a slightly larger container. Even though this one's four and a half feet tall and... Well, at 15 years, they can... Oh, go ahead. Okay. No, I, I was just thinking... That the soil was being compressed too much. Should it? Should it's, I try to loosen the soil anywhere? Well, it's decomposing if you had artificial soil in there. I had the potting mix. Yeah, so it's decomposing, and so you need to refresh okay. that every two or three years. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. All right, Inger. Thanks for your call this morning. Bye. We need to take a break. Coming back with the following, the final segment of the show, number to call 801-575-8255. Anne-Marie, you'll be up next. You can also text us your questions at 57500. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Thank you for spending your Saturday morning with the KSL Greenhouse. Maria Anton with you for these last few minutes. Let's go back to our phone lines. Anne Marie is in Payson. Good morning, Anne Marie. What was your question? Um, I have a banana squash, and in the it was doing fine, but when it got really hot, it all wilted. So we gave it more water. It came back. Then it wilted again. We gave it more water, but it never came back, and it seems to be dead. I just, if you had any idea why that might have happened. I think that it was probably squash bugs that killed it. The, mm. And so that's the exact pattern you see when squash bugs attack a plant. And so all you can really do at this point is remove the dead stems. And do you have other squash in your garden? No, that was the only one. Okay. Yeah, and so I'm sorry that happened. Um, but I suspect that squash bugs got it. Okay. So if we see that again, I mean, another year, um, what do you do about squash bugs? Well, you have to do some monitoring, and we're getting a little short on time, but the USU has a pretty good fact sheet on squash bugs. And so if you just do an Internet search of USU and squash bugs, it'll bring it up. And then there's also a YouTube video if you just search USU extension and squash bugs that will show you how to pour soapy water up over the top of the plant when it's younger to monitor for them too. Okay, thank you very much. All right, thanks for your call this morning. Next listener is Carl in East Clinton. He's had to reseed his backyard. Now he says he's mowed at least six times, but he's getting a weed in it, and it looks like clover with a yellow flower on it. Is it too early for him to put anything down to kill the weed? He would need to look at the labels of whatever he was wanting to spray is too hot. And what he's seeing is a weed called Black Medic. And so what I would do is look at, go to a store and find some like image all-in-one lawn weed killer and see how many times you need to mow before you can spray. Mm -hmm. For common lawn weed killers that you spray in the spring and fall, you have to have mowed the actual grass at least twice but it's too hot for them. And so he may need to wait until fall and then use, you can't use pre-emergent for a full year. And it's unfortunate that black medics there because it can outcompete a lawn. All right. Grant is on the line in far West. Good morning, Grant. What was your question? I, uh, I have a uh, young peach tree. It's been, one of the limbs has been damaged by a support pole. I was wondering uh, what, can I do to uh, help that uh, heal itself? Uh, the tree can do that just fine on its own. Just cut away any loose bark and let the tree do okay. its things. And if the wound, the wound will heal over as long as we don't interfere. You know, this, the, we used to put tar on the trees and that's actually mm-hmm. detrimental and it's just better to let the tree heal over. The bark will expand over a few years okay. back, and you'll just eventually see a slit there where it pushed back oh. over. Okay. The other question I had was uh, I have some uh, apricots from my apricot tree, the seeds. And I was wondering, uh, I want to try to uh, uh, experiment and plant them. What would, what would be the process to do that? I just mark an area 
that you want to plant them. And I would just put them every six inches to foot and wait uh-huh. for them to see if they germinate. It may take up to two years. And then once okay. they germinate, you can carefully dig that seedling and move it where you want to. Okay. But to put some All stakes right. in the ground where you put the seeds and see sure. just to know where you put them. Okay. All right. Thank you. All right. Thanks for your call this morning. Next listener says their iris looks sad. Should the flower stems be cut off? And what about the leaves? Cut the flower stems off. Don't cut the leaves. Just take the yellow ones out. Yeah. Uh, how do you irradiate squash beetles? Can you irradiate them? Uh, no, you can't. I mean, I I don't. You can't because any irradiation would probably harm the plants too, even if you could. This is more of a thought experiment. Mm-hmm. But this late in the year, there's very little you can do. Insecticides are not very effective. But, uh, but it's really tough when you get into August and September. We only have about a minute and a half here. So I know that Lynn wants to talk about managing morning glory on lawn and flower beds. I'm going to let you take this for a second, Ton. And then I'm also going to let you just refer him to the video that we have on YouTube. You have two different videos on YouTube, uh, one about morning glory in your lawn, the other about morning glory in the flower beds. And you can find that on YouTube, the KSL Greenhouse page there. But did you want to take just a few minutes or a minute here and talk about that? Yes. One update to that would be to consider using quinclorac. Dave has on his lawn, and it's been quite effective. It's lawn only. But the season-long... Lawnweed killer from Image has been one that you can use now. In the fall, you could use something like Q4 Plus in the lawn. Flower beds, watch the video. Right. It's very helpful to watch that video. It's really difficult to actually explain how to do that in the flower bed so you don't harm the other plants. So check out the video. Again, it's on the KSL Greenhouse page on YouTube. You can see that. You can also find it on our Facebook page, but it's a little bit harder to find there. Thanks for joining us this morning for the KSL Greenhouse. And we will be back again next Saturday from 8 to 11. And have a great weekend. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.